Hello there. Hello there, who are you? My name is Owen. <laughs> Hello, Owen, are you from Wales? I am, I've been out in the fields today. Yeah. I've been building a dry stone wall, you see. Fantastic, is it raining out in Wales? It's raining very heavily, I've been carrying rocks from one place to another place. All right, and did you did you see a rudimentary shelter when, as I you were did, walking through? Yes. And you've it was come made of stone. It. Yeah. Well, I had my top off because I was moving the uh, the stones around. Right. Very grimy. So, um, yes, I've come into that hut and found well, you here. What you've done is you've walked into the science shed. It's a oh, science podcast. Lovely. It's a science podcast that comes What's out every two weeks. It's a science podcast, then, Steve. Well, there's, uh, well, you don't know who I am yet, but I'm Steve Lee. I'm a chemist from the University I'm of Cambridge. I'm a very prescient person. Just very in tune with the mystic powers. Oh, yes. I've been living out in these heel hills for many a year now. Well, Just me and my sheep and my dry stone walls. <laughs> it sound, sounds like you've got your life sorted. Oh, it's lovely, um, isn't I'll it? i tell you what, as a way to kind of spice it up a bit, why don't you listen to... Uh, the Science Shed, uh, between, it's a science podcast that comes out every two weeks. Well, it sounds pretty interesting. What sorts of things do you talk we about? We talk about all stuff, really. Um, quite a lot, it seems to be alcohol-related, which probably tells you a little bit about the type of people that, that make it. But but in general, just things that we find interesting that we hope other people find interesting. Well, that sounds lovely, so let's have a listen then. Eight. All right, let's do it. Good night. Bunsen, Dolly, Internal, Combustion. Why Do We Need, Petrick, Oscar, Bay. Isaac, Transplanting, Nick, yeah, oh my god I've had a stressful morning, <laughs> yeah, yeah I haven't had time right. to talk to you yet Steve, what's been going oh on? Oh my god, right, so listeners, today is about lunchtime um, and uh, Nick and I have to had to meet earlier than we normally meet to do the podcast because I've got to get back to Cambridge this afternoon. For yeah, that was your stipulation. I prefer to meet a bit later. Yeah, I mean, general, I, I agree, but um, I've uh, I've got to get back anyway. So last last yesterday I was in Oxford and I had to come um, for a meeting and I came back through London and I was I stayed in London last night so I woke up this morning. It's annoying, isn't it? To um, have to go to Oxford from Cambridge via London. London. Yeah, it's yeah. very annoying, yeah. But it actually it's not too bad. Um, anyway, so I w- stayed in um, uh, London last night and I was just kind of packing all of the stuff up for the podcast like we normally do. Uh, I was just making sure we've got everything because I like to, you know, I like to make sure we're efficient and we use our time effectively. So you were here. in London this morning? You last, woke last up this not, morning? Last night I was packing my bag. In right. London. Packing my bag in London. For tomorrow. For t- yeah. It's pretty organised. Thanks. Considering we weren't starting till like one o'clock. Well, I had other stuff to do this morning. Right? Oh, right. So that's okay. why I had to, this is my only, t- my only opportunity. So I got up, I was like, oh, so I was going through the bag and I was like, oh no, you know what I've done? What? I've left the podcasting stuff in Cambridge. You hadn't? I had. All of it? Or, well, no, oh, there's the recorder and the, and the microphones. So I was like, bits of it I had, but so I what thought. what did you do? So I got up this morning and I was like, you know what, I'll get on it this morning. So I got up, alarm went off, seven o'clock. You didn't go back to Cambridge? Got up, Got went to Cambridge. Got got the seven fifty eight to Cambridge. Right, that's not that early. But no, no, no. no. But it's early. like, but what I was expecting to was have a nice morning uh, working Relaxing. from home, yeah. doing something that I, that I also need to get done, yeah, which yeah. I haven't had to do. So I thought, oh, it's really annoying. But it's my just own fault. Cancelled it, dude. Yeah, no, it's, no. I like I like that's coming not the way to talk you roll, to you. Is it? Yeah. So I got up this morning, got the train, got to Cambridge, and then I got. Well, I thought I had to turn around quickly because I didn't want to mess around. So I like got a cab. Cab the cab took me from. Cambridge train station to, to to my flat in where I live. Yeah, and I was like 
keep the meter rolling. I'll run up, grab the stuff. Yeah, come back. And then, yeah, and I was like, but I had I had all the rest of the stuff with me because I was going to get the fast train to King's Cross to come here. So I was all like heavy bag, all that kind of stuff. So so I ran up, ran upstairs, opened the door. Guys waiting outside, meters ticking. I'm like, you know, when you're looking for, I was like, where is it? I can't find it. I must be somewhere. I had a bit of a tidy up at the weekend, so I thought, oh, it's got to be somewhere. So so my flat now is completely, like completely destroyed. Right? <laughs> Me like pulling out cupboards, just pouring stuff, can't find it. And then I just there's that little thing in the back of your mind going, maybe it's still in London. <laughs> maybe it's still in London. Maybe it's in your bag. No, it wasn't in the bag, uh, but it was in London. Oh, no. So, so straight back. Meet was running straight back in the cab, straight back to Cambridge, back on the tube down to back on the the, the uh, train back down to King's Cross, back up to Finsbury Park <laughs> to go get my thing, and then came here. <laughs> and I've got to go back to Cambridge, so I'll go from London to Cambridge and back twice in a day. You know, this only confirms the thoughts which I've had previously about Steve that you're a little bit mental, because <laughs> my reaction would have been, you know what, Steve won't mind that much if we just like cancel it. Yeah, but I, you know, I wanted to do it. So oh, you know what? I'm really pleased. Oh, well, I'm here now and I'm having a good time. Yeah. So I arrived and I'm all like stressed because I've been like running, running through the like being. I've travelled like 150 miles this morning, <laughs> and Nick was just all chilled out because he had a little cycle and bought well, me a coffee. It was well, very I kind didn't. of you. I, I was on the 7:36 train this morning to Southampton. Yeah. Went to work in Southampton. Yeah. And then I cycled from the train station to work in Southampton, and cycled back to the train. Yeah. To get on another train to come up to London. So in many ways, my day has not been that dissimilar to yours. Okay. Apart from the uh, the lack of the stupidity in, in my day that yeah, is present exactly. in your day. Well, the worst, the beautiful point is that you know when you like start. So my fl- my flight is still currently trash, and just that little person in the back of mind going, "It's probably in a bag. It's probably <laughs> a bag in London, isn't it? Probably is." <laughs> anyway, I'm here now, and I'm ready to talk to you about some science. Shall we get on with it? Steve, I've um, I've got a new little project. New little project. Yeah, in the scientifically lab. one. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to go into too many details about it because it's kind of one of those ones I don't really want too many. No, oh, so this is like a good idea that you want to keep yourself good a little idea. bit. Yeah, yeah, and there could be you know all the millions of people could be listening into this. Well, I'm sure. Going to steal the, the, ideas. The, the, the competitors of the Evans Lab, Listeners I'm sure, are sat do there. Do not steal my re- ideas. Refreshing, refreshing the science shared website. Just exactly. waiting for the, Okay, so all te- of you. Please. So tell me about it. Um, well, it's using acoustics to make um, liquids vaporise. So, okay. so when you've got two liquids mixed together, yeah, like an emulsion, yeah, so, so milk, a, glob- a globule, y- yeah. So I'll just try and explain it in simple terms. But you've got two liquids like oil and water. Yeah, milk. What's more all simple right. than milk? <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't. Have thought, I wouldn't normally think of milk as an emulsion. Mil- oh, all right, okay. Well, I'll explain what emulsion is. Yeah. So you, you've got like, if you, if you get some olive oil with water and you mix it all together, it yeah. forms little droplets. Yeah. And basically they get smaller and smaller and smaller until it becomes like, looks a bit like milk because yeah. it's scattering the light. Um, that's an emulsion. But anyway, if you um, direct sound into it and the little uh, droplets of oil are volatile enough. Yeah. By volatile, I mean that they... They vaporise quite easily and quickly. They've got it a low has boiling a point. Low boiling point, yeah. Yeah, so um, you can make the little droplets vaporise. Okay. So you can you can mix sort of a type of oil with water, yeah. shine sound on it, and the little droplets will explode into bubbles. Right. So they form bubbles. Yeah. And That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. So we're interested in using it to deliver drugs at specific areas. 
Mm-hmm. So the idea is that you inject them in your blood, and then they inflate when you shine sound in a specific part okay, of your body. Okay, so you could drink milk, and the idea of the only way you put you you shine the sound, do you end up actually boiling the bubbles. You'd inject else the emulsion into your bloodstream, yeah. and then you'd shine the sound, and then they'd pop, and you'd get some bubbles there. Okay. Could be bad. We hope it's going to be good. Yeah. Um, so we were interested in doing that. But I started to, because I don't know anything about it. Right. Because I'm a biologist, I work on sort of bone repair. Cells and, and yeah, yeah. pipetting cells. one thing from another. Yeah, biomaterial. Anyway, yeah. that sort of stuff. So I don't know anything you about know, it. On the news when they always show, like, scientists have discovered, it's always a generic picture of someone in a molecular biology lab, like, pipetting, like, like pink liquid from one to that's the other. That's exactly what it's like, though. It, well, it's for you. <laughs> it's not like that in my lab. <laughs> I've seen you working in your lab, and that's what you do a lot of the time. In the way in the bio lab is. <clears throat> anyway, so... Um, yeah, that's a general idea. But I started to dig down a bit. So I read a bit of that, started going back through the literature. Because one of the things that they're using is something called um, perfluorocarbons. Yep. So you're a chemist. You know what perfluorocarbons I are. Do, yeah. you explain to me what they are? Perfluorocarbons. Do you well, know? Well, I mean, they're, they're generally... This is great. It is, no, no, I hope no. he doesn't. I hope he doesn't know. I hope he doesn't know. <laughs> so generally, they're, they're fluorinated hydrocarbons or chlorinated hydrocarbons or both. Right, so a good example would be freon, which is the uh, which is used as a, a refrigerant, uh, which also turned out to be hideously um, uh, toxic. Um, but yeah, generally they're they're um, they're used for uh, quite often uh, for refrigerants, uh, fluorocarbons, because they have a low boiling point and so they they vaporize re- readily, yeah. and therefore you can use that that work done by an expanding gas to be able to cool stuff down. Yeah, so they kind of like that's exactly what they are. I mean, the ones that perfluorocarbons. Ha, ha, you thought I didn't know. <laughs> I was ha. hoping. Yeah, one day, one day I'll catch you. <laughs> but they're they're kind of like if you've got propane or butane, exactly the same stuff as you'd use in your camp stove. It's the same, except instead of the hydrogen, it's got fluorine instead. So it's a long chain of carbons that are totally saturated by fluorine rather than hydrogen. Um, so I thought, oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah, well, I don't know anything. Also more than in that. Um, uh, dry cleaning for fluorocarbons. Oh really? Yeah, carbon tet. Okay. Well, these ones are t- completely saturated with yeah. fluorine, so they're not they're not like um, CFCs or anything. Yeah, yeah. So CFCs are the ones in the fridges. And they've got chlorine and fluorine in yeah. them, but they're quite similar, I guess. Anyway, you can make them with longer and longer chains of carbon. So you have like, you know, pentane. That's five pent. Yeah. Hex hexane. Yeah. Perfluorohexane, perfluoroheptane, perfluorooctane. You can keep keep going on. Nonane. Decane. <laughs> Undecane, dodecane. And they all, yeah, they all boil at progressively higher temperatures. So the shorter the chain, the yep. lower temperature they boil at. Anyway, I thought, well, okay, we're using those as like kind of a, a thing, a droplet, yep. which you would then vaporize using sound. So you're just using one <coughs> perfluorocarbon, so one oil don't phase. Know, yeah. oh, okay. So you, might mix don't you, might get, so you might have to read about eutectics. I don't know. But anyway, that's eutectics. Yeah, so eutectic is the ability to modify you the boiling. up. Hey! Mm. <laughs> oh God! No, eutectic is the ability to modify the boiling point of one uh, material by having it dissolved in another. Oh, so we're very, not doing that. It's very important. But if you're using no, a mixture, you get that. that. Okay. We're not doing that. Okay. But basically, because because when the sound hits them, there's a change in the way the sound travels between the two medium. They'll yeah. they'll vaporize. So basically, the sound heats them. Yep, so then they pop up. Anyway, we haven't decided what we're going to use. So I started going, I thought, well, it sounds a bit nasty. Do you know what, what I mean? What's the frequency of the sound you use? It's like 20 kilohertz. Okay, so it's just out of what humans can hear. Yeah, maybe it's megahertz. <laughs> <laughs> what's a thousand, what's the three orders of magnitude between friends? Okay. Um, the point is that I'm not a physicist. 
<laughs> well, that is, ev- that is, that is evident. Work- that's why we're working with the physicists. <laughs> okay, all right, carry on. Yeah, it's ultrasound, so I think it's 20 kilos. Yeah. But anyway, so, um, yeah, basically, I thought, well, this doesn't sound very nice. Because I just think, well, pentane, it's like calagas. Yeah. Yeah. You're injecting that in your body, in your bloodstream. I thought, that's crazy. No, but it's got fluorines all over it. Yeah, but it's kind of the same. No, 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 no. Don't be it's stupid. very similar. No. Well, why is it not the same? Well, uh, well uh, uh, iodomethane yeah. will methylate your DNA. Oh, and that's okay. one, the hydrogen being an iodine. Right. And it would kill you. It's deadly poisonous. Well, fluorine sounds worse than iodine. <laughs> why would that not do it? All I'm just saying, so what I'm saying is, is, is the modification of one atom in, in methane, which yeah. is a, like, can lead to something. I mean, methane's not exactly, I mean, it's, you wouldn't want to yeah. like, drink methane, which I think is your point. You're saying they're both poisonous. But I'm saying there's very <clears> small <throat> modifications in the thing chemically can have extremely large effects on their bio. That granted, I still think that it sounds a bit like horrible to inject like, you know. Petrol. Petrol. <laughs> Inside you, yeah. Like, like, <laughs> You know, equivalent to octane. You know, yeah. Formula One fuel. Yeah. The only difference is instead of hydrogen, it's got like the fluorine. So you inject it into your body. Yeah. So I thought, well, we better check this out. Anyway, we were chatting to one of the guys. So we we're working with a team in Oxford. Yeah. And um, there's a huge medical history of not just injecting minute amounts of these compounds that we want to. Oh, really? Enjoy injecting a hundred grams <laughs> into your blood. A <laughs> hundred milliliters. A hundred. Hundred wow. milliliters of um, fluorinated hydrocarbons, like the ones I've just mentioned, basically like petrol, yeah. injecting them into your bloodstream. That's insane, isn't it? That is n- 100 grams is huge. Do you know why they, why people were doing that? Um, why would people... So this is just hydrocarbons, or is this the fluorinated this is ones? the fluorinated ones. Um, I don't know. <sighs> why do you think people inject like 100 Lubricants? grams? No. What, lubricate your blood? I don't know. But people. <laughs> Why? You've got, got a really nasty case of friction in <laughs> no, your no, no. hand veins. But like a lot. No, no, no. But a lot of. Uh, so a lot of things like. <laughs> to help with penetrative activity. What are you trying to say? <laughs> what then? Lubricant. Uh, well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, there's, there's, the a very, there's a very famous I'm case just of, lubric- of. I just want to lubricate your blood. No, no, no but there's a very, there's a very famous <laughs> case of, of uh, the person that invented uh, Vaseline used to eat Vaseline every day. He used to keep him regular. Yeah, I suppose well, people do still do things like that. Yeah. Or so it's not that nice. Like, I mean, I'm injecting it, injecting I agree. Injecting your blood. Yeah, all right. That's a stupid idea. Shall I just tell you? Yeah, Steve? go on then. So they, because of their chemical properties, they're really hydrophobic. Yeah. They're totally hydrophobic. Yeah. So. Um, they, they can, don't like water. They don't like water, but they're very good at dissolving things. And they're particularly oh. good at dissolving gases, particularly oxygen. Oh, so if you're hypoxic? They were, no, they were originally developed as blood substitutes because they can dissolve. So you make a droplet, you make an emulsion, tiny little droplets, Yeah. okay, like the milk that we are talking yeah, about yeah. before. Before they do that, they dissolve a whole load of oxygen in them, and then they just infuse them into your blood. Replace your blood system or augment your blood so system this would be to carry oxygen through your tissues. It's a replacement for your red blood cells. That's nuts. And this experiment, this goes That's back so to cool. the 60s. So, and was. I'm going to build a bit of James Cameron into this story. So okay. You like James Cameron. I love James Cameron. Your favourite film's Titanic, isn't it? No, it's not. <laughs> What's he say on the front of the boat? Uh, I'm flying, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you want to say when you're in yeah. the lab next time. Yeah. Does he say, I'm on top of the world? That's what he said. Yeah. On okay. the front of the boat. All right, <coughs> where are you going? Anyway, yeah, so you can, you, can, you can replace the blood in a mouse. They did this in the 1960s totally with, these, with this liquid. 
and the whoa, mouse whoa, will whoa. be alive. So you get this thing that the looks... mouse will be alive. You can remove the blood and just replace the blood with a mixture. But you put like emulsion. some salts in and some proteins. A salty and solution with an em- so it's an emulsion. So it's like a salty do, do, solution. Do, do, do like you milk. take all the serum out of like all the other stuff that's not in bl- red blood cells and, and put Good it back question. In. Haven't dug down okay, that far. Right. Okay. Anyway, the bottom line is this, these mice have got no hemoglobin. There's no red blood cells in their bloodstream. How long do they live? Days. No. Days. That's yeah, nuts. seriously, it's totally, it's totally nuts. And these products but were developed. How, how does the gas come back out? How do you reoxygenate them? You have to just keep replacing them. This is a uh, Okay. So you've got to. So, but if, they were used but clinically, wounds, dude. They were used clinically. Do if you you're know, on the battlefield. Do you know who was injected with vast quantities <sighs> of these uh, perfluorocarbons? Um, it's not Petrol. Gonna be, I'm not going to be James Cameron. but Not James Cameron. No, <laughs> no, no. Go on then. Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, because they don't hit blood so transfusions. They had it in the in the eighties. They were giving hundreds of grams to these people. Of That's people. amazing. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? Do you know where else they? So, building back James Cameron, there's a film which I really like, which I think is one of his better films. Called yeah. The Abyss. Have you seen yeah, the Abyss? of course. Yeah. Do you remember a famous scene from The Abyss? There's a scene where the little di- the little alien <coughs> comes out with a little head. That's all. There's a bit when they go deep dive. Deep oh, and he has to like they they replace oxygen. They replace the air because you, uh, the high pressures. You know what they're breathing. Perfluorocarbon. Perfluorocarbon. Uh. So, and actually, in the abyss, the rat—they show it on a rat first. Yeah. The rat is actually submerged in perfluor, oxygenated. You mean in the shot in the movie? There's a shot in the movie which is quite disturbing. It's not approved by Peta. Yeah. They don't like that type of stuff because yeah. the, the the rat was breathing oxygenated liquid perfluorocarbon because it carries so much oxygen. But it can't be compressed in the same. <coughs> the way rat can happily breathe that mixture instead of oxygen. Be glad to know that the actors didn't breathe that in the film. Wow! But that's the basis of it. That's anyway, amazing. so like I'm, I started off with the notion you injecting these really what I would consider horrible chemicals in the bloodstream. Turns out people have been doing it for years, and not just in <laughs> tiny doses, in vast amounts. I mean, hundred grams hundreds is huge. Imagine, grams. I mean, imagine if you took that, you know, hundred grams of a drug. Like you know, like oh, you know, paracetamol, 100 grams would kill you 10 times over. Yeah, actually, the 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 ones that they use, just as digging down into the the details of it, they're not like butane or whatever. They're things like uh, the, the the one that is used the, was used the most uh, clinically initially was perfluorotributylamine. Right. So it's like basically a nitrogen in the middle. Yeah. It's just chains sticking, three chains sticking out, fluorinated hydrocarbon yeah. chains. And there was another one called f decalin, which was like Two rings, mm-hmm. two I kind of. I don't know what decalin is, but yeah. okay, we, yeah. can, we can we can we can we can post the structures. We'll these. I always like posting yeah. chemical structures. I know, but I don't think any of our listeners do. Even uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I like it. Anyway, that's the that that is incredible. That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing, mate. Yeah, yeah. So I learned. I, I mean, just through doing my normal science, I've learned a lot. I feel this past week. D- well, even about James Cameron. About James Cameron. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see. If we can find some more James Cameron, some related research. I'll be back. Oh God! We're only halfway through the podcast. I know. I saw the American Embassy today. The new one. The new one. The one that Trump didn't visit. I didn't like it. Didn't he say that? What did he say about it? He said that um, it's bad. It was a bad deal. Total bad deal. Amazing said deal. It's a shithole. It's like <laughs> it's a shithole. Yeah, it's, bad it's deal. an amazing deal. Not as good as my deal. Most amazing. <laughs> I'm amazing at making deals. Probably the best. I can guarantee you, it's the best deal that you've ever seen. Yeah. Oh God. Anyway, we've, we're halfway through the podcast, Steve. Yeah, um, so um, if people like the, um, the Science Shed, how can they interact with it a bit more, Nick? Um, well, they can tweet us at, yep. I'm at the Evans Lab. And I'm at Steve the Chemist, and the, the Science Shed itself is at 
the science shed. Absolutely. Um, but we thought we'd take a break halfway through the podcast rather than at the end to, 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 to speak to the shedlings now. Yeah, tweet us. Tweet us. Interact with us. Tell us. If there's things or you've got ideas or you want to comment on things we've said, please. Things you like, things you don't like. Fact check us. Tell us that you oh. really hate us. I would, l- I would love if the, uh, do you know what? I would love if the, the, the listeners started becoming massive pedants. We, so every we, single tell you time what, we made a mistake. There are so we many. Could have pe- we could have pedant watch. There are pedant watch. <laughs> pedant watch. Yeah, so please. If people have found our mistake, please tell us. And particularly if Nick's made a mistake. Don't tell me if I've made a mistake, but particularly if Nick has made his mistake. There are mistake. some clangers. Oh, there is. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, well, should we uh, get back to the podcast? What you got there, Steve? Nick, what do you know about uh, fitting data? Um, is this a trick question? No. <laughs> Why don't you tell our no. listeners, Steve? What do I think about it? I've got. Well, you get, I've you come across this in paper. I think really interesting, and I'll be. People are not going to. What is fitting data? Well, so. Imagine if you wanted to represent a straight line, right? You need you need you need some way of mathematically formalizing it. We do this at school, so you then need a ruler. No, no, no. But if you wanted, to, so if I want to transmit to you how to fit how to how steep a, a line would be on a graph, and I could just tell you some number, I could tell you if, what's the smallest amount of numbers I could use to tell you that. I don't really know what you mean. So say I've, I'm looking at a graph, and I go, oh, that's what's really a graph. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Steve. No, I think most people know what a graph is. So, yeah. like, um, so if you imagine, like, we were over the phone, we were talking over the phone, and I was looking at some data. Time I to against distance. Exactly. So that would be time on the line, the x-axis, and distance on the y-axis. So yeah. as time went up on the x-axis, distance also goes up. Exactly. And it does so like in proportion. And so that means it, it that goes up in a straight line. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see that in my head. Okay. So if you imagine that in your head, and you said like, okay, well, what's the mathematics to be able to represent that line? What's we have the an equation number? at school. People do an yeah. equation, don't they? Like x equals y or something. It's y equals mx plus c probably is the one you're thinking well, of. Well, y equals x would be the simplest one because yeah. you just look on, you'd go to your but, x, but y equals and you say, well, x equals one, and then y is going to equal one. So I'll put a dot. Where x and y equals one, so and that's, then that's two, tr- three, four, and you yeah. Just got so then you get straight line. straight line. But that presumes, but that, that only can that, that y equals x can only describe one straight line graph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying, so if we add, make that much slightly more complicated, we can use this term, this equation that people may have heard, y equals mx plus c, that can describe any straight line. It, it doesn't matter the angle it's going at. Doesn't matter the offset is. It can it can be used oh, right, to describe that, any so that, straight line. Yeah, so you just like vary a couple of things in your equation. Well, you've got different parameters. So rather than just having y y and x, you've got these other two. One's how steep the line is. That's the m. That's the m. And then c is the intercept, the y intercept. Ah, right, right. And so from right, that you right. can do, you can draw any straight line. So like just going back to my y equals x things, it would be first of all you might have y equals x. So they just be one. One would be one. Two yeah. would be two. If you had y equals 2x then like one would be two exactly and two would be four, four. Exactly. and so the line would be steeper be steeper it would go up faster oh, right. okay okay and then if you've got a c there as well you whack that on so it doesn't go through zero exactly god this is like maths gcse math, math. math this is right and 
So sci- scientists, so, so on some level we're talking about this, it seems quite abstract, but, but people really know this. If you saw a bunch of dots on a straight, on a, on a, on a graph and you asked to draw a straight line through them, you kind of know what to do, right? You kind of do it so there's roughly the same number of dots above and below the line if you try to draw a straight line. So that, 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 we use that all the time in science and we call that fitting. We're fitting it to a curve. So we're trying to basically extract out how steep that straight line was based upon, um, uh, based upon where those dots were, the underlying dots. So if, you, there was a bit of, if there was a bit of error or noise in your experiment when you were trying to work backwards, rather than saying y equals 2x, so you're putting things, if you just had the points and you wanted to be able to use that in reverse to find out how steep the line is. So that's co- that, that, that technique's called fitting. That makes sense? Mm. So yeah, we say, kind of. We say to kind of fit, and to fit a line. So imagine, imagine let's make so it more things, comp- basically what you're saying is, when you do an experiment, the results are not perfect. So you'd expect one thing to go up in proportion to the other thing, but it wouldn't be perfect, so the dots would be slightly off. Yeah. And when you're at school, you try and draw a line a best fit by hand, don't you? Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got some dots on the page, and you try and draw a line a best fit, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be a straight line with a ruler, or it might be a curved line, but you just kind of guess. You kind of have a bash. But you're using your eyes to fit yeah, the exactly. data to a line. That's exactly right. Mm. So... We do this all the time in science. You can imagine the more and more. You, sometimes when you see like an expression like of like a sciencey um, uh, uh, equation, it's like really long, and there's loads and loads of parameters in it. It's yeah, really confusing. It's so that so sometimes people can add more and more parameters into their their theory, their model, to try and fit it more closely, more to, to get yeah, more yeah, information yeah. out. And at some point, you can start adding extra parameters that don't really mean anything. But it does allow you to, st- you can still extract numbers, yeah, but they don't fudge. mean a fudge. Fudge it, yeah. So I've got this, I've come across this paper okay. about fudging, right? And it's, a, it's, it's, it's an article in Nature from a few years ago from, free, uh, from Freeman Dyson. Oh, he's the, um, um, well, he's been around, he must be old. He's pretty old. He was around in the... Um, this is from 2004, this paper. He co, you know what he's famous for? He came up with a mathematical formulation of quantum electrodynamics. That's right. In parallel with Feynman, yeah. So, so he was around. He was a twenty-something in Los Alamos in the nineteen forties. So he must be. He must be nineties by now. He's pretty old. Is he still alive? I think he is still alive. But yeah, he's he pretty must old. be in his nineties. Um, uh, okay, so, um, so I've lost my. Okay, so he. Uh, the title of this paper is called "A Meeting with Enrico Fermi." Oh yeah, right. so he's an interesting character as well. Right. So Got some stories about him. So Freeman Freeman Dyson goes to meet. Um, Enrico Fermi, right? And he's because he was. He said, "It's it's a story about from when he was in the spring of 1953." Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. So he, at that time, he was thinking he was doing some some research, and he and he and like, so he says this at the time. His Fermi was one of the great physicists of our time, and understanding both as a theorist and an experimenter, he led the team that built the first nuclear reactor in Chicago in 1942. So he's like massively excited to meet his like his. Uh, um, mentor. He's oh, a giant. He was a huge, huge, huge big gun. I mean, there's a whole class of subatomic particles named after him. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so at the time, uh, so he goes to see him, right? And he and he and he sits down with him, um, and he uh, talks about his research at the time. He says at the time he was a young professor in in Caltech, um, sorry Cornell, um, uh, working on calculating meson proton, proton scattering, which apparently was bollocks, right? But they were working on it, and it just didn't work, right? And at the time, he's but he's had his whole team working on it. He was working on something, yeah. Yeah, so he goes to see. He he's goes ninety-three, to s- by the way, still alive. Freeman Dyson. Yeah, he's got. No, he's ninety-three years old, and he's got the ears of a ninety-three-year-old. <laughs> I see. You know BFG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he looks like the BFG. 
You could probably, a small child could probably sit in one of his ears, actually. Yeah. So He's got a massive big nose as well. So you're like this, right? So he goes God, to... God, he looks so old. So he goes... So, so he goes, 1923. He goes to sit with Fermi. He says, birthday next week. Oh, look, well, happy birthday to Enrico Fermi. No, Sorry, Fermi uh, to Dyson. Fermi so died a long time ago. When I arrived in Fermi's office, I handed the graphs to Fermi, but he could hardly glance at them. He invited me to sit down and asked in a friendly way about the health of my wife and her newborn baby son. Blah, blah, blah. Gets on and goes. And then he goes, and he says, then he delivered his verdict in a quiet, even voice. There are two ways of doing calculations in theoretical physics, he said. One way, uh, and this and this is the way I prefer, is to have a clear physical picture of the processes you're calculating. The other way is to have a precise and self-consistent mathematical formulation. You have neither. <laughs> 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 right? And he goes, goes and so he says, I was quietly stunned. And so anyway, he's, he, he gets, they, start, they carry on and he just starts ripping apart all his his work and he thanks this, this whole article is, is like a love letter to him so thank, thank him for telling him what an idiot he was right and then he comes to this point he talks uh, he says um, in desperation I asked Fermi whether he was not impressed by the agreement between our calculated numbers and how the, m uh, the measured numbers uh, correlated he replied how many arbitrary parameters do you use in your calculations right which is exactly my point about fitting right yeah. so he said I thought for a moment um, about our cutoff procedures and said four he said <laughs> in any case he says, I remember my friend Johnny von Neumann used to say, with four parameters, I can fit an elephant. With five, I can make it wiggle his trunk. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I was like, I like that. And so, so the paper is about um, like how you could, um, uh, uh, you know, that the, in science, sometimes he really thanks him the idea that even though what they were doing were wrong, uh, sometimes you need people to come over and be self-critical and actually he said it's one of the best lessons he ever learned in his scientific career was someone telling him he was wrong rather than the people encouraging that he was right mm -hmm. anyway works with Sam not all fast forward to 2010 found another paper <coughs> drawing an elephant with four complex parameters <laughs> published in the American Journal of Physics 2010 so is this anything to do with Dyson this is exactly to do with Dyson. Someone so has he, Dyson's not an author on this paper. He's not an author on the paper. This but is an author by um, Jonathan Howard. Is so the so he's obviously been inspired by this. This is what they But do you know what they did? Dyson. They fit an elephant. Do you want to have a look? <laughs> Here you go. Here's the elephant you can fit with four parameters. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it good? <laughs> it's a bit shit, to be honest. I was expecting to see something. Um, describe what you're seeing. It's just a, a very abstract wiggly line which with a great deal of um artistic license you might say might have the vague shape of an <laughs> it's got an eye though it's unless that's a piece of shit on your computer no 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 it's got an eye well done well yeah so i think it's kind of interesting that like so people actually bothered so it's a big it's a big problem in science actually this idea of overfitting so s interpreting your data too much you know yeah. Um, and this is just a bit of a silly way. Also, with five parameters, they did make it wiggle its trunk. You can switch backwards and forward and you can make it move. So they actually bothered to do both of those things in the paper. <laughs> so it's a bit of a fun paper, but actually I think it's kind of, you know, behind it is a serious yeah, point. it's definitely true. I've had experience, I mean, I suppose you've had experience with that yourself. But um, yeah, I remember we worked on, we used to look at um, fluorescence decay, Steve. Yeah. Something you know well, absolutely, a lot about. Yeah which is a, an exponential process, decays logarithmic fashion. Yeah. So you fit exponential funcon functions to it. And if you've got, if you're measuring two things which overlap, or two fluorophores, yeah. you've got two superimposed on each other. If you know that, then you would, you'd have two terms in your you equation. You can extract both of those parameters. Yeah, yeah exactly. You'd have two, but you'd, you'd fit it to an equation with two terms, right? And then you'd do a fit. 
you'd, you'd see yeah. how well the data fits and you'd use something like a chi-square test yeah. to give you a number. It's close to one. Yeah. It means that it fits what you think. If you get to up to three, if you fit three terms... Gets and you, even better. You can, well, you can fit anything to it. Yeah. You, you fit 10 terms. Yeah. Well, no, if you've got 10 fluorophores, it'll all fit to a three one. Yeah. Because there's loads of different solutions, basically. Exactly. There's so the more parameters you have, yeah. Yeah, the easier you can do it. But yeah, um, so be, so Enrico Fermi. Elephant. Why do we need? Petrie, Oscar, Isaac, Transplanting, 